Welcome to Charm the Water. My name is Aaron David. This is Day of Mars. Hope your tower hasn't blown up today. Towers do usually blow up on Tuesdays. I'm not going to lie. I've had multiple towers blow up on Tuesdays over the years. Guardrails generally crumpled on Tuesdays. I have. I've had more car wrecks on Tuesdays. Car wrecks suck. Be aware. Be aware, people. Not only do you have to be aware of what you're doing, but you got to be aware of what other people are doing. Oh, Lord. And it is easy to get distracted. Like, uh, I was just trying to, like, I'd been listening to this podcast. Uh, it's Communion After Dark. I like that and one other music podcast, RSA. Did you hear me say that? I said that weird. I was like, RSA. <laughs> RSA. Um, but I was, like, listening to one of those and, like, Got all the way back to the house, and then it said, I'm not connected to the internet. Stopped. And I was, like, trying to figure out what the heck just happened. And somebody was backing out of a house. I've never seen any, never encountered anybody backing out of this house at this spot. So I wasn't expecting it. And uh, they stopped, thankfully. Because, honestly, I was looking at my phone trying to figure out, not connected to the internet. Like, I haven't been connected to the internet. What are you talking about? I don't know what happened, but, uh... Anyway, it could have been an accident. And, uh, those suck bad. Those suck bad. So this is just a reminder. Just pay attention. Be situationally aware. As they say. Situational awareness. This has been a public service announcement. Uh, So. I started today. A small account. And I thought. I'm going to stay away from the FTMO challenges. For a while. I, I think I've learned what I need to learn there. And I've learned a whole lot. But I'm going to like ease off the pressure for myself. And Kelly Kelly thought this was a good idea too. And just manage a small account. And um, it's going to be a very small account. But uh, what can change with it is leverage. And that can be a good thing or a bad thing. It can be a very bad thing in most cases. <laughs> but uh, learning what I have from like the strictness of those FTMO challenges. It's like, oh, God. Uh, You know, you don't want to make yourself feel stupid by over-leveraging and stuff. So uh, the plan is to manage a small account for a while, not have that time pressure as much as on the challenges, and just get some consistency. Like, uh, just get the confidence that consistency um, will bring and step away from the like 
final test challenge uh, and go back. It is a step backwards, uh, but I think it's a step backwards for like more for sure footing to go ahead. So that is what's happening now. So uh, this morning I went into Coinbase. So I use CoinX. This is not a um, not suggesting that broker better than anybody else. I'm just saying if you when you're researching a broker, if you're in the US, you'll likely want to start out a small account with an offshore account where you can get higher leverage and there's not any United States legislation covering what happens to you uh or your money with an offshore broker. So they're feared, uh but there are offshore brokers that deal with U.S. residents. There are very few of them, and uh, they have long-term track records. So uh, that's good. And CoinX happens to be one that's been around a while. So I've not run into any problems yet. That's not to say I won't. Uh, But that is funded with crypto, so I use Coinbase. Uh, to achieve that. And I haven't logged into Coinbase in a while, apparently. And I logged in, and lo and behold, uh, I have some holdings there, uh, which uh, are pretty good towards uh, a small account beginning. And uh, they just kind of appeared magically there. Like, I had forgotten... (coughs) I don't know why, uh, I have no reason, and I really know just a vague memory of doing this, but I converted the holdings I had there into Shiba, and this is like a Doge coin alternative or something, I don't really know, uh, but I converted my holdings to Shiba, and like, I think it's up 432% in like a year, I'm not sure when... I was last on Coinbase, but it was enough to turn that little bit I left in there into, uh, you know, enough to get started with a small account. Uh, So that was cool. And kind of like saying, yeah, uh, probably, you know, one of those little road signs like, yeah, this, this is a good idea right now. Uh, so... There is that, and as well, um, you know, the Anubis stuff is blowing me away, like, really, especially since the wolf thing, like, uh, like, I had no idea, I mean, that's, uh, maybe I'm behind culture, I think older people just kind of fall off the cultural wagon, and that's how they... You know, that's why their grandkids always laugh at them. Ha ha, you you don't know what's going on. It's because they lose, like, relevance uh, with the times and with the culture. Um, So I don't know if it's well known out there that Anubis is now, you know, essentially a werewolf. (laughs) Like, is that known? Um, 2015, the genetic, uh, data came back 
on the type of wolf that we now know is Anubis's head, not a jackal, but this type of wolf that I think they said has something like 70 70 something percent gray wolf and like the rest some other kind of wolf so definitely not a jackal um they have different behaviors from jackals these wolves uh, that Anubis is the like representative of his head uh they for one they uh live on the grasslands and uh they eat stuff like beetles they'll move dung looking for beetles and in dry weather they will break open dung balls for the beetle like larva <coughs> and um it said they'll eat snakes from the like from the tail up <laughs> and generally they'll try to shake smaller prey dead they'll try to kill prey by shaking it and uh they'll even go up to to uh attacking prey three times as large as they are which it says they don't even bother trying to kill they'll just rip the abdomen open and start eating intestines and i'm like oh my god that's that's brutal dude that's gross (laughs) that's gross um it said they stay in small small packs small units and that generally a male and a female will stay together and they'll have pups and those pups will be allowed to stay uh with mom and dad into adulthood and it says their sexual uh appetites will be repressed which is interesting and um some other type of behavior will be repressed along with sexual i forget what it is <clears throat> and they'll stay there with the parents uh into adulthood as helpers and i thought that was really fascinating fascinating and the nature of the anubis wolf uh and uh yeah it's got me really just kind of floored uh all the wolf stuff not even sure like you know <laughs> what <laughs> what to say uh it's pretty wild uh, pretty deep stuff and makes me think back to that high school uh like placement test of career where mine came back as funeral home director in light of everything that's happened between then and now uh it's almost like that was like a it's not even funny i mean it's like you know this is weird weird but um yeah the whole chamber thing you know you think about the golden dawn the the chamber uh, every it just changes everything how i see everything
that's what it's done and just like in like two days like there's just been a wave reform everything that I it's like a new level of understanding and of seeing and I it kind of scares me because I don't know like if this is stuff anybody should be talking about because it seems like this I remember being angry at why why secrecy around occultism um Oh, it all boils down to this uh, what Anubis is what Hermanubis is and uh, kind of the uh, repercussions the uh, if you carry this out to a logical um, probability of what what this means what this could mean it's just extraordinarily bizarre uh, but I think back to a dream I had uh, of going it literally going into the underworld um, there's been many of those this one the entranceway was my uncle's uh, resting chair uh, TV chair his recliner and looking into it it was just darkness it was just like a black hole and I fell backwards purposefully into it and emerged in the underworld and my friend Sam was there and uh, there were like these demons it was like a, a if you know the game Perfect Dark from Nintendo 64, it was like one of those um, facility, like business office looking places, except it was under underground. <laughs> and there were demons about. And uh, I ended up in this room, and then this demon comes in. I'm with Sam, and Sam is like this old man. And... Uh, you know, it's like an arch fiend of hell comes in or something. But I can see he's just got this goofy mask on. It's a man with a mask on. And he's got gloves on. And they even catch a glimpse of his human arm. Uh, you know, where the gloves separated. It's like it's not even that great of a costume. <laughs> and uh, that was before all of this stuff started happening. So... You know, when I hear initiation defined as um, this Lovecraftian, um, Gnostic, like, uh, I'm trying to think of an exact way I've heard it put, um, non-human intelligence, you know, coming into contact with non-human intelligence. I think that the occult is hidden. I think the only way to come to the truth of ourselves is to face what we fear. And so truth itself wears the face of fear. <laughs> I told you this ship got deep. <laughs> and uh, looking at what the priests of Anubis were about, what they, what their role was. And, um, you know, there's no bigger secret 
life and death, resurrection. Uh, it's just pretty, pretty, pretty intense stuff in light of what I'm going through. Kelly and I are both going through with mom and like, you know, it, <laughs> living with this every day, you think of your own mortality. It's right there in front of you. Um, it's just really intense and deep. And it's like, as this time of year, this season comes into every year, I feel it more the relation to my venus initiation this is the time of year the capricornian mysteries you know the, this is their playing out uh so for me the initiatory stuff and my interest it swings with the season and kind of reveals itself in a more meaningful way each season that passes each season that it comes back again and the cycle renews itself. It's like since my original initiations, every time there's a deeper level of understanding that comes. And this one's like, <clears throat> um, this one got me shook. <laughs> um, that's all I all I can say. Uh, I also think about how now. Uh, this has an entirely different meaning for me than when I first read it when I was just a kid. Uh, it was found in Christian bookstores. I think my mom, it was in my mom's library, something I don't really remember, but it was Joanna Michelson's story. You know, she was a Christian and this was how, you know, her story. And it was the most amazing book I've ever read. I still is. It's called uh, The Face of Evil. I'm pretty sure. Which is kind of strange because I, I can't even... Is that it? The Beautiful Side of Evil. That's it. That's it. The Beautiful Side of Evil. And uh, it... It held my interest up into a certain point where she became a Christian. And then she talked about, and I washed my hands of all of that. And uh, now, you know, the the spiel, the confession of faith, just the, it's like um, lines in a drama, lines in theater that are just repeated over and over and over. So I lost all interest at that point. Um, but the, the first part of the book, like the first two thirds were some of the wildest stuff I'd ever read with, uh, like peyote trips to graveyards and theaters haunted by like horrible demons and bringing flowers to an idol of Beelzebub and just like dwarves in the garden. Uh, like all of this stuff that was just some of the most intense, it had like uh, she met this woman in Mexico that was a psychic surgeon and saw this woman perform all of this crazy stuff, uh, watched a spirit walk in, her voice would change, uh, she became very masculine, and then, then she would perform these psychic surgeries, and it was wild, man. I was just a kid reading all of this craziness. And uh, it captured my attention. I mean, I guess it would be like coming across Carlos Castaneda as like a, I don't know, like 10-year-old or something. Uh, 
it just like blew my mind. <laughs> and but one of the parts, one of the early parts in that book was when she got involved with a type of uh, meditation. Years later, I'd actually find this book in my aunt's library. I would read it and I would begin to practice those practices and uh, that were in this book that I read as a kid. It's, it's, I've actually never thought about it going back. Like, I haven't thought about it in the way that I understand it now. I, it's been a while since I've even remembered this. Uh, but I practiced, I, I'm trying to remember what it was called. Uh, it was very heavy on visualization and bringing your mind into a lower brainwave into like, I forget if it was called del- Delta or whatever, uh, but you would bring your mind down there. And then through practice, you could bring yourself to that place just by bringing your fingers together. So you'd practice going there so much that you could achieve that mindset uh, just at the bringing together of your fingers. And I used this all in uh, in school, uh, particularly when in Taekwondo later in high school. I used these visualization techniques. And uh, I mean... <sighs> It kind of makes sense that, like, uh, you know, you start the Golden Dawn stuff and you're going to be doing the same, essentially the same type of thing, but um, set up differently. So going back to my childhood, how Joanna described this is she had found this ad in a paper. And I wish I could, I wish I could remember the name of the book of this method. I'll get it later, but... Uh, she went to one of these groups and the, the person leading it had them all lay down on the floor in a room and then counted them down from like a hundred and told them to visualize going down in an elevator. And um, uh, at the bottom of the elevator, the doors would open and they would meet their spiritual teacher and uh, they were just to, you know, say, relate to the teacher, whoever it was that they saw, you know, it was just kind of a mystery and going down through this visualization, some people had the Virgin Mary, uh, some people had, you know, I forget the different examples, um, but just all kinds of almost seemingly random, sometimes religious people would appear as the person's spiritual teacher. Joanna, I forget who showed up for her, but she was pretty religious and was expecting a religious figure, was hoping for somebody like Mary or somebody, but got something like kind of bizarre. And um, so the teacher tells the class, don't practice this at home, you know, only practice it here because you could get stuck. And uh, so Joanna goes home and of course you know same thing I would do (laughs) do the practice she went down went down the elevator opened the elevator and it wasn't her spiritual teacher but a werewolf and it's teeth it was like snarling and it had blood dripping and she was stuck there she couldn't pull herself out And now, 
You know, I'm just now putting this shit together as I'm retelling it. That is a very similar initiation experience. The dweller on the threshold, the protector of the secrets, uh, the guardian of the chamber, uh, Anubis. We now know he has a wolf head as of 2015. It's just blowing my mind. So Joanna gets stuck there and is in absolute terror. So similar to my experience. And eventually, <laughs> she said what it feels like hours later. I mean, you can imagine this. Uh, she's able to pull herself out of this uh, and uh, come back to her room. And of course, from that point on, she's terrified of this class. <laughs> and her, you know, coming from this religious background, um, you know, her convinced of, you know, that was the team, you know, but I I thought the same thing when I was reading it. I thought, oh my God, I had no connection to Egyptian mysteries or the illusion mysteries or in- initiation or Anubis or any of this stuff that you pick up along the way through the initiations and through the materials, um, through the rituals. I honestly would like to read that book again because now I have totally new eyes. That's what I was saying just the last two or three days. This kind of... All these things coming together, collating, coalescing just to a a clunk moment where all the gears match up and the light comes on. Uh... It's really got me shook. <laughs> wow. Um, yeah, I just I, I want to read everything on Anubis so I can get my hands on, as well as um, things relating to him, um, archetypal correlations and juxtapositions. Um, I did find online, you know, Rufus Opus's take on Trithemius is what attracted me to the work and what eventually convinced me to do a spirit conjuration, even though at the time I was a five-point Calvinist Christian. And, you know, doing this is something pretty terrifying, a notion. And so there was a lot of mental work, probably a year of just reading materials and absorbing before I ever gathered up the courage uh, to actually do the ritual. But Rufus Opus's approach is part of what attracted me in uh, how it talked about kingship and how I realized in my life these are this is what I desperately like need. Um, my sphere of influence has no power (laughs) and uh you know i could really use this kingship stuff well i think now i mean rufus opus i've heard him talk on interviews about how he kind of used the charismatic approach health wealth 
that he had in his background, as well as did I, uh, as the hook, kind of the trithemian hook to his book. But I think that he prophesied and knew not. (laughs) I found a book today that I want to get. It's called Osiris and Odin, The Origin of Kingship. Uh, published January 1st, very appropriate date, 1940. So far, I have not been able to find this thing. Uh, but I just like, I just found it, found the name of it. So I'm looking at book depository right now. Um, nope, they're sold out, currently unavailable. I'm going to continue to look for this because it's just something that I want to read uh, now that I'm, I've uh, understood more of my experiences. I've, I've come to a deeper level of understanding and what the fuck happened to me. <laughs> and what's happening to other people. And it really trips me out. This is what kept me up wide-eyed last night. As I stepped out of the shower, you know, once again, this thought, what if the witch trials, they weren't a bunch of mass delusion? You know, there are, under torture, I was laughing at this the other day, the notion that these confessions came out from torture. But then again, They came out from torture. It's not a reason to dismiss them. But thinking about the reality of being tortured many times to death, being burned at the stake, I think you'd tell everything you you know. I think you would come. I mean, you may come to the point where you just, you know, after you've told everything you know, you might just start making it up at that point to try to get it out of it. I don't know. I, I mean... Who could tell us but people that have actually undergone that? I don't know what extremes of psychological, you know, what what would happen. <clears throat> but it's insane to me that there is similarity across the board in those confessions of the alleged witch, witches, which everybody laughs at. Ha, ha, ha. You know, what a bunch of craziness those people were. Stupid idiot ancestors. <laughs> but it's just like this the Bible. Going back to the Bible and reading some things, I see them in a way that's like, oh shit. This, oh shit. Um, and this is again one of those places in the witch trials reading these confessions. It said that the devil would come out of a pitcher. I keep coming back to that. The uh, the association of the West and water, um, that's like an oh shit to me. Like, oh shit. Uh, <clears throat> as well as the... Um, I, I forgot the, uh, the, the spreading the butt cheeks to greet this being. And... You know, reading that bit out of Terence Duquesne's work about 
uh, Anubis being the protector of the anus of Osiris. And what the hell is going on there that, you know, again, going back to Jake Stratton Kent and Leonard and uh, the uh, inspector general of black magic, like this figure, there he is. There he is, you know, clear as day. Not exactly day, clear as night. You know, the son of darkness, these uh, phrases that the pyramid text, funerary text, uses spirit of darkness, soul of darkness. Um, (laughs) And what I saw... Like I said, it's just all kind of got me uh, like, what the fuck? Like, you know, it's come together in a way like shit. And then, of course, we have Friday is the lunar eclipse. And uh, since I began this path of initiation, oh, man, lunar eclipses are rough. Like, I do not look forward to them. Um because generally they mean Kelly and I have pretty intense experiences and uh, I feel like I'm going to be you know there's going to be a scream awake or I'm going to be like wake up in a sweat and heart racing from some crazy experience you know it's just like at the approach of them I'm like oh god there's a part of me that starts dreading it because so many of of those type of experiences have happened around uh, lunar eclipses. I'm just not looking forward to it. <laughs> not. <laughs> I've actually been burning fumatory and uh, myrrh along with a bit of um, clove in in the mornings. Uh, I don't, I'm not sure why. I just just started so. Anyway, I guess with that, uh, I am going to go do something else today. Maybe yard work or something. And uh, think about some other things. Because like I said, this is like... I remember Josh um, said to me once, he was like, what is that term, the weeds are getting deep or something? Deep in the weeds, deep in the woods. We're both those things. Until next time.